And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed. I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Jen Davis. Jen is the co-founder and former CEO of a $20 million software company, mother of 10, and the author of the upcoming book, Living Exponentially, Unlocking the Potential of Every Moment in Your Business and Life. Jen Davis, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate you spending your day with me. Jen, there's so many things that I want to ask you, <laughs> and I, I wish we had all time. I wish our uh, all day. I wish that our, uh, our viewers and listeners would give us all day, but I'm afraid they won't. So I'm going to try to organize our conversation as best I can. I want to start with this. Uh, you and your husband, Dan, have achieved things in your business and in your family life that many people, and I'm sure you've probably heard this, believe are impossible. Um, you chalk it up to what you call an exponential mindset. And we're going to dig deep into that as we go along, but I'd like to start with just sort of a thumbnail sketch or an elevator version of what is an exponential mindset. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize it was something special, but the, you know, the version of it, as I've talked about it throughout the years, is really thinking about things as a possibility, thinking about, you know, not looking at why things can't happen, but thinking about how things can. And, you know, it's almost like playing Jenga, right? It's fitting all of the pieces together. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. So how can I do, you know, the most with my 24 hours and not necessarily do more, but enjoy more. Um, and so that's really the focus of the exponential mindset is figuring out how to make sure everything you're doing is filled with joy. Uh, so it's not just, you know, the rat race of life that I think so many people face uh, in all that they do. That's great. And, you know, it's funny, I, I wouldn't have normally connected the words exponential and joy together. But I think <laughs> that's fantastic. And I really like where our conversation is going, uh, because as you and I discussed uh, just prior to our interview today, uh, it is so important for people to keep not lose sight of their own lives and what they're passionate about. When even when business is going well, you still got a life to lead. Now, yep. I want to talk about um, your company a little bit and the success journey. Uh, and I want to start with my understanding is Davisware uh, Software was founded in 1988. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And what were you guys doing just prior to that? What did your life look like then? Yeah, so I was in high school. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's a awesome. very fun fact. <laughs> so, you know, it's um, so we were we started the business, my husband was 22, and I was 17. So, you know, Davis, where is my adult life uh, in whole? Uh, and, you know, as you think about that, that makes it very interesting because this is all I've ever known. And so I think part of the idea of the exponential mindset is that I didn't know any differently. I didn't have extra money. We didn't have extra time. So we just had to solve everything on our own and had to be just creative problem solvers from, you know, from the get-go. Hmm. And what was the market need that you guys created Davisware to solve? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my husband's brother was in the HVAC business. That's where it all began. So uh, his brother had hired me to help um, help my husband actually write, you know, work on the software. My husband was a developer, uh, well, in school to be a developer. We were both children. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he was using a product and, you know, didn't like some of the features that were there and um, had looked to his brother to kind of, you know, mimic the things he liked and create something a little bit different. So, you know, it really came out of a family need and we both came from family businesses so I think you know that was a natural place for mm. us to land in spite of it wasn't really where I was headed I was going to go be a, an elementary school teacher probably a kindergarten teacher was my was what I thought my life aspiration was interesting now I a uh, little known secret I once worked as an HVAC technician oh, uh, <laughs> about the right about the age that you and your husband were uh, when you started your company. So I know a little bit about it. I'll admit I wasn't very good at it. Uh, <laughs> but what exactly did the software do for the technician or for the company that the technician worked for or for the for the client for that matter? Yeah, so my elevator pitch on our product is the software is for companies with guys in trucks who build things, guys in trucks who fix things, and guys in trucks who deliver things. So it's business logistics software. So when you think about uh, a you know a company in the trades, they are trying to figure out the logistics between product, between um, labor pools, between equipment, and the software itself is designed to kind of manage all of those. Um, very complex pieces to their business. Great. Okay. Well, we're really here to talk about your book, and I, so I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I guess it's probably because of my own experience in the industry, I was interested to know more about it. So you guys start the business, and apparently uh, people liked what you were doing. The company starts to grow, and little by little uh, along your success journey, you sort of discovered this idea of exponentiality. What, uh, how did that come to you and, and what, how did it present itself to you? Sure. So I think as I think back, you know, I don't do a lot of reflective time or I have never done a lot of reflective time. And I think that's part of the nature of who I am. And it's also probably contributed a lot to our overall success. And really what happened a few years and not too terribly many years ago, I started just reflecting on the fact, the number of people that would ask me like, how do you do it all? I don't understand how you've put all of this together. And I started to realize that how I thought about things and how we approach things was different than a lot of people. Um, and you know, and that's where it started. And um, a word of the day popped up on my phone and it was the word exponentiality. And I thought it was interesting because the word didn't have a real definition. It said the art of being exponential. And I thought that's hmm. no definition at all. Um, and so I created my own definition and it was centered around, you know, you, I used the word joy earlier, but it was centered around creating joy, harmony, and balance in, you know, in your life, because that's really how you can create an exponential mindset. If you're if your life is misbalanced, meaning you've got too much time personally or too much time professionally, uh, you know, or one side of your business or your life is taking over the rest of your life, uh, you don't create exponentiality because you become more, you know, you're managing whatever it is with your hair on fire. You are, you know, you're <laughs> not able to to live in the moment. Um, and I would equate it, you know, I've played a lot of sports, my kids played a lot of sports. And, you know, I always think about, you know, you, you get hurt when you play scared. And I think that so many people in life, they just play scared. They're always scared. Mm. They're running because they have too much work to do. They have too much in their personal lives. And 
you know, you get hurt when you play scared. And when you start to live with an exponential mindset, you truly start to live in the moment. And that's where all of these, you know, peace, joy, harmony, um, balance all come together. So on a day-to-day basis, where you have 200 employees and 10 children, and you and your husband are coaching sports teams, and you have all of these plates spinning, on a day to, what was a day in the life of Jen Davis look like? And how does that, how does the exponentiality fit in? Sure. You know, so I guess it's important to level set and say that nothing I do is easy. I mean, this is hard and, um, you know, it is hard. And I will also say that nothing we do in life that's easy is something you're, you, um, look at with joy or accomplishment. The things that we do that are hard are the things we're most proud of. So, you know, I just, I guess I want to start with that mindset because I think people are looking for the easy road and there isn't one. So, you know, with that, that perspective, I get up very early. Uh, I try to get to the gym every single morning. Uh, Before I get out of bed, usually, or when I get out of bed, I'm checking my emails and just kind of organizing my day, uh, you know, and making sure that I know what's coming at me. Failed expectations are the number one source of disappointment in anyone's life. So if my day is different than I anticipate it, I'm going to be disappointed. So I always like to get my head around Hmm. that. Um, you know, making making breakfast and dinner all at the same time in the morning, driving my kids to school. You know, there's many elements of my day. Our kids' school is near right next to our office. That was by design uh, because I can reduce travel time. You know, coaching my kids every, you know, so often people would say, oh, that was, you know, so giving of your time. And certainly it was, um, but it was also self-serving because if I'm coaching, I can control when the practices are. So, you know, I can make sure that I can actually there, uh, you know, and just, um, you know, the office being right next to the school, that was important because then I'm reducing travel time, moving near our office and our home close together created time in my day. So everything that I was doing and everything I do on a daily basis, I do with the intent of making them very efficient, uh, not necessarily cramming more into a day. That's interesting. Uh, really important differences. And it's a difference in how people think about, you know, they go about their days. So many questions come to mind. One is, I heard you use the word intention. It sounds like you live with a lot of intention. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Uh, I Everything that I do has a purpose. There's nothing That's that great. is just random. There is no randomness in anything I do. That's wonderful. And Another thing I have a question, uh, which has to do with multitasking. Would you describe yourself as a multitasker or do you just knock something the heck out of something here and then you knock the heck out of the next thing here and so on and, and more of a serial tasker? Yeah, I would say more of a serial tasker than a multitasker, but I definitely catch myself multitasking. But I think you are not present when you're multitasking. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, you know, if I was helping kids with spelling words that I'm always going to be doing, um, you know, folding laundry or doing something else. So, you know, it isn't that I'm doing a single task at a time, but I'm using my brain for one task and maybe my hands for a different task. I might be, (laughs) you know, I'm meeting with a friend while I go get exercise. I think, uh, you know, there's kind of a joke within my, my group. So we do spend a lot of time in the commercial food equipment service world. 
Mm-hmm. And they service restaurants. And one of my least favorite things to do is eat out. Um, and it isn't because I don't like eating out. It's because it feels like a waste of time. I can go for a jog with a friend um, or, mm-hmm. you know, my clients have known me to make them go running with me or biking with me. And um, so I'm going to do something productive while I'm doing some, you know, while I'm doing serial tasks, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You talk about also your non-negotiables. What, when you say that, what does that mean? Yeah, so I think part of being using an exponential mindset is starting with what your non-negotiables are. So what is it that really drives your joy? So, you know, for me, it was being very engaged with my kids um, from, you know, birth all the way, you know, Till today, I wanted to be very engaged with our kids' lives. Uh, and I was very intentional and very specific on some of those. I, you know, purposely scheduled my world around their school vacations. Um, when my babies were little, I nursed everybody. Uh, and a working mom who traveled for a living, um, most moms would say that's impossible, but I, you know, I figured out how. Um, and so making sure that I have defined what those non-negotiables are at the same side or on the flip side with the business, making sure that I knew what those non-negotiables were because oftentimes people don't define them. And so if you don't define what they are, they end up controlling your life and they create anxiety. So some of my non-negotiables for, you know, for our business was in-person meetings with clients. It was being at trade shows and industry events, uh, you know, where I could speak and and represent the company. And those were non-negotiables. Our annual user conference was a non-negotiable because I had to be a part of those. And so by defining them in advance, it reduces the anxiety and it sets the expectation for the people around you as to what they can expect. And again, you know, going back to disappointment is created by failed expectations, not necessarily the situation. So by setting the expectation of when I was in and when I was out in both my personal life and my professional life, it reduced that, that um, anxiety that's created by those expectations. That, that's a big takeaway for me that what you said about disappointment is created by uh, unrealized expectations. That's that's really a powerful thought. Um, you know, and oftentimes, um, just actually to add on one quick comment sure. there is many people think about that in the business world, but what they don't think about it in terms of is their kids and their spouses too, is there's failed expectations on, you know, we do a good job at work of letting people know when we're going to be at a meeting and when we're not. We do a lot less of a good job of doing the same thing and having the same respect for our families that we do hmm. uh, at work. Interesting. Interesting point. Yeah. The family generally takes the back seat. The, the, the business meeting was more critical. Now, you also mentioned that uh, the, the world we're living in right now with the pandemic and people doing business virtually and, and communicating like you and I are today is actually beneficial for helping business people develop this exponential mindset. Why do you say that? Yeah, I had a revelation early on in the pandemic as it relates to just the world we were evolving into. And it really came around the concept of, you know, back in you know colonial times and, and back 
you know, when we were settling the Wild West, everybody's home life and their work life were together. So that meant that, you know, the blacksmith lived in the back of his shop, the shopkeeper lived above his shop, the farmer lived on his farm. With the advent of commuting and suburbs, there became a division between your home life and work life. And that word actually started to exist, work life versus home life. And what that did was it created this artificial boundary by time that is really unsustainable. You can't, you you know, neither one of those could fit into time boxes. And so it creates automatic anxiety. It creates automatic friction between the two. Well, when, when COVID came around and, you know, the pandemic came around, you know, certainly there was lots and lots of tragedy out of it. And, you know, I don't want to minimize that by focusing on the positives, but there were some tremendous positives. And if you talk to most people, they will talk specifically about some of the exponential mindset that they have, they've actually learned by, you know, by accident, I guess, uh, throughout the process, meaning, you know, you can go get a delivery at your front door, you can meet with the pool guy in the middle of the day. And does it extend your day to maybe a 12 hour day instead of an eight hour day, because you took an hour off to go get your kindergartner? Uh, you know, it could and, and likely it did. But what it did was it created so much more harmony that the value of both your home life and your work life became higher, and your joyfulness became better. Um, so I think, you know, that was really where the pandemic, and I think that people in the beginning, they were, you know, they were frightened. Everybody was kind of panicked right in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then once we got out of the fright or flight and we looked around, we realized, you know, this is okay. We're, um, this is, this is a really good thing. And, you know, case in point, I am able to do my job now and all last year as the CEO of Davisware from wherever I landed. So I spent a week with my mom. I went and stayed in my son's dorm room. I, you know, today I'm in Florida and none of those were because I needed to be there for work. So typically I would have had to be in my office. Uh, and that's, you know, there's some real value there for sure. That's a really profound point. I think you're spot on with that. Now, you talk about also something exponential life balance by design. How do we how do we do that? How do we design that? Yeah, so again, I think it's not focusing on a clock. Uh, you know, I mentioned it just briefly earlier, but you know, I've had a little balancing man and it's actually on the cover of my book uh, that I've had. He's traveled with me since I was a <laughs> maybe in high school or college, but, you know, I think about, people think about balance and they think about a definitive line between work and home life. And it just isn't true. And, you know, balance has sway in it. So anytime something is in balance, there's sway. Buildings, when they, you know, they built the Burke Khalif, it has sway. When they built the Sears Tower, it has sway. And so hmm. we have to think about, there is going to be sway in our lives and there's going to be times when our work responsibilities are going to be significantly more than our home responsibilities and vice versa. And it's okay. And so you have to make the conscious decision as to when one can trump the other. And, you know, that's where the non-negotiables come in. Um, you know, which, which ones are going to help you achieve your non-negotiables. And sometimes you do need to work more and sometimes your family is more, um, you know, requires more out of you. And if you really spent an effort, you've spent the time and the focus to be very conscientious to that, uh, it becomes part of your design. Well, that's great. And I take it you share all these ideas and 
and some uh, formats and, and, and instructions in your book on how people can do these things for themselves. Is that, am I right about that? Yeah. We do. So, you know, in writing the book was challenging. So that was, a, you know, in the middle of being a CEO in a software company during a pandemic, I thought I would write a book. Uh, you know, was, uh, <laughs> of course you do, Jen. That's that's what you do. Yeah. That's right. Um, but, you know, we did go through the process and really tried to calibrate it to something that people could take away. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that's always trying to improve. And I really want people to look at this book almost like a workbook or a handbook for success, you know, not just a good idea that they can, you know, call it part of their book reading, but that they actually took something away that made their lives more harmonious and created real balance in their lives. That's great. I think people are going to get a lot out of this book. And from what you've shared, it's funny how much of what you've described and you've said so yourself, is just the way you are. Uh, that you didn't specifically set out to, you know, do all this is just what Jen does. That's how she lives. And uh, but nonetheless, you know, we can't all be born like that, but we certainly can learn lessons. And like any other book, take from what you have to share, what resonates with us and what we can make work in our own lives. And then we just got to leave aside the things that, man, I'm just never going to be able to make that work. But God bless Jen that she can do it. One of the things you talk about is what you call the slingshot effect. What is that? Yeah, so, you know, we often look at whether it's failures or setbacks, and and we allow them to actually set us back instead of taking those as opportunities to step back. So my daughter was very into the the musical Hamilton. And so for about two years, we listened to Hamilton every day to and from <laughs> to and from school. And there was a line in one of the songs that said, you can't put a fire out from inside the house. And that was really <laughs> profound to me because I really thought of it as it related to the slingshot effect, right? You can't put a fire out from inside the house. You have to take a step back. And sometimes you have to do, you have to have a setback before you can move forward. Uh, you know, for our company during COVID, we, we decided we were going to focus on what we could control and what we could control was being organized for the, you know, for the outcome. And so we spent a lot of time changing out tools and organizing our business. Um, for Dan and I, when we were building the business, we knew we needed to outsource. We had realized that, that was kind of what we had to do to survive. And, you know, for us, both farm kids from Wisconsin, that was really hard to overcome the thought that we wanted to, to outsource. Once we decided to outsource, we failed and we failed a few times. Mm. And, um, you know, out of each of those failures, we moved forward. So we had to pull back and redo and move forward again and pulled back and move forward again. And, uh, you know, being a farm kid, we get slingshots and, you know, your rock isn't going to go very far if you barely pull it back. But if you pull it, you know, pull it back with all your money, that rock is going to go to the neighbor um, or hit your brother, which probably happened in my life. <laughs> That's great. So if you want to make something happen, good or bad, you're going to have to really try to make it happen. Pull that thing back and let it fly. That's funny. That's right. I know another guy, what he says is, if you always want to hit a bullseye, just let the arrow go and then go paint a bullseye around wherever it landed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to ask you, this is actually a personal question. I have a 29-year-old daughter, and she and her young man are planning on entering uh, into an entrepreneurial journey together. Uh, this is a, sort of a curveball for you. Would you have any advice for them on how to try to maintain 
um, their personal relationship while they're starting and growing a business? Yeah, that's a that is a hard one. That is a good curveball, but you know, it is my life. I mean, it's it's what we did our whole lives. Uh, you know, setting realistic expectations. You know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't perfect. There was really good times and there was really bad times. And uh, transition was really hard. And I think being graceful to each other in in those transitions. Uh, when we opened India, Dan spent a third of the year or half of the year in India while I was birthing children and building a house. And, you know, mm. that was hard. And, but we knew that's what needed to happen. So I think, you know, part of it is really being focused on the goal, um, you know, knowing who's, you know, whose strengths are, you know, where they lie for us. That was pretty natural. He was, he was the technical guy and I was the business development person. And, um, you know, for us, that was, that was simple, but, not especially when you have similar strengths, um, that could be for sure harder. But you know, I think it's realizing that there's slingshots, realizing that there was times when Dan had to carry the carry the water, realizing that sometimes I had to carry the water. Uh, in 2014, I had a really bad bicycle accident. And it was the first time I didn't go to those shows. So I talked about those non-negotiables. He went um, and, you know, he learned something. He learned to appreciate that it was hard, uh, you know. And on the flip side of that, you know, I got involved with some of the development things throughout my journey and realized that was hard. Uh, so I think, you know, just having empathy for one another and, you know, in your journey and realizing that each person serves a role uh, and, your roles change and the requirements of those roles change. And, you know, it's the same thing as the balance in your life. That balance, you know, balance comes with sway. And sometimes it was very swayed. Um, there was years when years when Dan was gone a lot, um, whether it was personally or professionally. And I was carrying a lot more of the water, you know, wow, on the home front. That must have been tough. It was not easy. Uh, 2004, uh, I, I call it the hardest year of my life. We moved our offices. We downsized our office so that we could fund India. Uh, so my nephew and I actually moved, physically moved our offices ourselves. I uh, gave birth to our fifth child. We moved into a house that we general contracted and we moved in without a kitchen and with one sink, one toilet and one shower that worked and none were on the same floor. So that was, that was exciting. Uh, and Dan spent 212 days or so in India. So wow. put all of that together on one calendar year. It was a really hard year. Uh, but you know, it was, it was, it was what it took to get here. Right. So it wasn't easy. That's very impressive. Just amazing. Now, I know that we can't uh, get your book on Amazon just yet, but I'm sure that there are plenty of people who are watching and listening to us right now who would like to learn more about Jen Davis and possibly connect with you. What's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, so the website is up. So livingexponentially.com is the URL. So you can um, hit me okay. up there. Obviously, the Davisware website uh, is linked to it. So regardless of which way you go, you should be able to find me. Great. Now, we're just about out of time, but I always like to leave by asking my guest if there's a question I have not asked you or something that's come to mind during our conversation that you'd like to share before we go. Yeah, I think the one thing that I always try to get people to think about is the possibility mindset and that, you know, that falls or it plays nice with the exponential mindset is you none of this works unless you decide it's possible. And so... Everything has to start with 
believing that this is possible. So, you know, if you want a house full of kids and a, and a full career, it's possible. And if you want to, you know, be a stay-at-home mom and raise your kids, it's possible. Or a stay-at-home dad. Or if you want to be a CEO, you know, of a company and you're a technician, it's possible. And so without a possibility mindset, none of this is even relevant. And so that's where it really has to start is believing that it's possible. Jen Davis, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's been absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks again to Jen, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying I'll see you on the radio. Forgiving your entrepreneurial sins with a gentle wave of his microphone, here's Frank Felker. Frank Felker.